0: Our reading is taken from Luke chapter 3. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now, when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks, Kathy, you may be seated. Grace and peace to you all this morning. How many of you know Highlights Magazine? Yeah, me too. Highlights, if you don't know, it's a magazine for children. And it's actually really sad because committed journalists. Go out and write stories of interest every month, but nobody ever reads them because there's really only one page that matters in the whole magazine. Anyone want to name it? Hidden pictures. That is right. (laughs) You start with what seems like a picture of a family planting a garden, but look closely. You'll find a fish drawn into the bark of a tree trunk or a paintbrush disguised as the pattern on a woman's apron. I think we should look at today's scripture like a hidden pictures page. The scene that we see is Jesus getting baptized. But what we're looking for hidden in this story are pictures that tell us what it means for us to be baptized. We're looking for clues to the difference baptism makes in our lives. I already found the first one. Have you? No? Well, then this one's a freebie for me. It's the wheat and the chaff. John the Baptist says that Jesus is like a farmer who separates the valuable seeds of wheat from the pretty much useless seed casings known as chaff. And that tells us something about our baptism. Now, I know there are some of us who might hear this like, those who get baptized are the valuable wheat, and those who don't get baptized are the chaff that gets burned— But that is not why this image is about baptism. Baptism is not about drawing a line between who is in and who is out, who gets God's love and who doesn't, who is saved and who is damned. Yes, there is a wheat and there is a chaff, and they get separated in baptism. But the wheat and the chaff aren't whose, they're what's baptism is about casting aside the ways of sin death and the devil and throwing them into the fire like the useless chaff that they are you actually see this in our worship at mount olivet whenever we baptize someone Before we do, Pastor Beth and I ask all of you, do you renounce the devil and all the forces that defy God? Do you renounce the powers of this world that rebel against God? Do you renounce the ways of sin that draw you from God? And you respond saying, I renounce them. You're saying, I don't need these things anymore. Because of the grace I know through baptism, no longer is my life controlled by greed or a quest for status or the need to present perfectly in public. No more do I need to see myself as good and worthy only by way of seeing someone else as bad and unworthy. No more do I need to give in to the lies and the falsehoods of racism and sexism and homophobia. That stuff is useless. It's holding me back from what God is doing in me. It's chaff. That's what chaff is biologically. A seed cannot grow while it is still enclosed by its chaff. It cannot be what it ought to be, or as Pastor Beth talked about last week, it cannot bear fruit. It first has to cast off its chaff. And that's what baptism does. It separates you from the sorry ways of sin and joins you to the grace of God that grows free and wild in this world. What power we have in this font. And I could spend a whole sermon series on this point. But I just found the second hidden picture. Look closely in the water where Jesus is. Now tilt your head a bit. You see it? He's not the only one there, is he? There are other people in the water with him Luke hides this detail in an adverbial clause, but the story is clear. Jesus was not baptized alone, and neither are we, because baptism is about connection. These waters join us together to the same God, like branches on the same vine. As different as each of us are, and we are different, baptism means we are all stems on the same tree, the family tree of God. And that ought to change the way we look at each other. One of my friends was a pastor of a small church, and they sh- saved money by sharing their building with two other churches. Now, I'm sure it's never occurred to you, but let me let you in on a little secret. Sometimes pastors can have big egos, and cooping up pastors of three different churches in one small building is a recipe for disaster. But my friend said that there was something that kept the peace these congregations agreed that whenever someone from one congregation was going to be baptized, all three congregations would show up and all three pastors would participate in the baptism. There was just one complication. One of the churches in that building only did baptisms by fully immersing people in a pool of water And my friend, a Lutheran, she'd never done that before. So one Tuesday, the three pastors showed up to work with swimsuits. And they got into that baptismal pool, and they practiced baptizing each other. And my friend said this, After that, whenever things got heated between us, I couldn't shake that ridiculous image of us in swimsuits baptizing each other. I couldn't forget the way it felt to trust them to dunk me under and pull me back out. That's what it means to be in the water with other people. You can't forget what has happened there. They are always the people that God has joined you to in these waters of mercy and grace. Now, listen, I know I just warned about pastors with big egos, but indulge me for a moment because I just found the third hidden picture. There it is when the dove descends. Do you notice how the gospel goes out of its way to tell us that the Spirit came in bodily form? This isn't some vision. This is a flesh and blood dove. That's the hidden picture. We think of baptism as relating to our souls, but Luke is clear. Baptism is about our bodies as well. When we talk about faith as our spiritual life, I actually think we do ourselves a disservice. Because God's love is so all-encompassing that it doesn't stop with our spirit. God's love touches our bodies as well. Our bodies aren't just a temporary holding cell for our souls. They are God's good creation, something that God finds delight in, even when we have trouble doing so. I heard a story once of a teenage girl, and my God, the hoops this culture wants to make teenage girls jump through before they're allowed to feel good about the bodies they live in every day. This teenage girl, like many teens, had some acne. She tried face washes and creams, gluten-free diets, and still she would break out. So one night her mother gave her a beauty tip. She said, tonight, after you finish washing up, splash water on your face three more times in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This wise mother understood that God already delighted in her daughter's body, that she already had a beauty and dignity and strength that came simply by being a person, a person God had claimed and blessed and saved in the waters of baptism. And beauty like that can never be snatched away. Okay, I know you've already found this one because it is so obvious. But yes, let's talk about that final hidden picture. The voice from heaven. It appeared to Jesus on his baptismal day, and it appears to us on ours. And the voice says the same thing to each of us you are beloved and it's a good thing jesus hears it because the very next thing he does is go to the wilderness where satan tries to make jesus doubt that god loves him tempting him by saying over and over again if you are the son of god But Jesus does not settle for the doubts and the lies the evil one sows, for he has God's voice ringing in his ears. And once you hear God's voice calling you beloved, you can't unhear it. So this weekend, we commemorate Martin Luther King Jr., who is well known for his work in advocating for the end of segregation and for civil rights in our nation. But in that quest, he found that the problem of American racism lay much deeper than a set of laws that need changing. Just like Satan stalked Jesus in the wilderness, So, African Americans in this country have been followed by a culture of white superiority that wants them to doubt their own belovedness and beauty. Even our language, Dr. King noted, uses the words dark and black for sinister and wicked meanings, but uses white and light for goodness and purity. It's so hard to escape the structure of racism that has been built in our country. But praise God, white supremacy was not the only voice that Dr. King heard. He heard God's voice, calling him beloved. And so he wrote down an affirmation for himself, an affirmation and an affirmation for all those who look like him, an affirmation that is simple and powerful. These are his words that he would repeat. I am somebody. I am a person. I am a man with dignity and honor. What a profound echo of the voice we hear in our baptism a voice that rings out clearer than any noise saying we're inferior or second-class or worthless, a voice telling each of us that we are loved. That voice is the voice of God. Have you heard that voice? I imagine so. Because baptism is unlike hidden pictures in one important way— there's nothing actually hidden about it. Baptism is a full revealing of God's goodness to us as we are forever joined to Christ. And so, to, so this morning, to all of you who have been baptized, cast off the chaff of this world and walk in the ways of mercy. And to those of you who have not, Come and see God's love for you revealed in these waters. Amen.